The date is Thursday, the 4th of January. I'm Jason England, and welcome to Learn Something. And Happy New Year to every single one of you lovely, lovely listeners. So, what are we going to talk about on this episode? Well, we're going to talk about technology. More specifically, there's, there's an event just around the corner. You may have heard of it before. It's called the Consumer Electronics Show. The massive bash in Las Vegas has reached its 51st year. I had the pleasure of going to the 50th year last year. And yeah, this is the place where all new technology, basically you get to see what 2018 looks like for consumer gadgets and gadgets in general. And you get to see what the next 15 to 20 years looks like in a bunch of holy crap announcements. So I thought I'd just go into the history of that and look into the curiosities and the weird and wonderful facts surrounding CES. Stick around, this is gonna be a gun. First off, before I begin, I've got two little bits of business. I've got a quick shout out to the people who have been requesting me to make another episode. Thank you all so much, especially Eric Cockerell, Julia Chaldeva, and Misha Klimchuk for requesting that I make more episodes. Your requests have been heard, and you will get an episode every single Thursday here on Anchor, across Apple Podcasts, across Google Podcasts, and yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I didn't really know what the end was going to be there, but there we go. Um, and second bit of business, um, what to expect from New Rise Media in the new year? Well, thanks to everybody who voted for me in the UK Blog Awards, I've been shortlisted as a finalist, and super happy about that. You can check it out on twitter.com slash newrising underscore media. And you can see a video of my mum being just as happy as me. Anyway, besides that and a couple of streaming plans on Twitch, which I'll talk to you about at the end of the episode, let's get cracking. Right, so let's kick off with the history of CES. So, as I said in the previous segment, CES has been going for 51 years so far, which is pretty mind-blowing. So the first CES was, as you've probably calculated if you're good at mental maths, unlike me, was held in June 1967 in New York City. It was a spin-off from the Chicago Music Show, which until then had served as the main event for exhibiting consumer electronics. The event had over 17,500 attendees and over 100 exhibits, including Motorola and Sony. Another surprising bit about the history of CES is just how many of the technologies you take for granted at particular years whenever you bought them, how much earlier they were shown at CES before they actually became a thing. So, for example, in 1968, the computer mouse was demonstrated by a guy called Douglas Engbart, and it was commercialized by the Apple Macintosh, the one that you remember, 16 years later. Also in that vein, at 1970, the computer floppy disk was developed, Intel introduced the computer memory chip, and debuting at CES was the video cassette recorder. Obviously, this didn't really come into the main f- mainstream until quite a bit later, like 
I don't remember my parents getting one until the late 80s, to be honest with you. So it's pretty crazy just how early these kind of things pop up. Like 1985, the CD-ROM was introduced. 1992, the mini-disc was debuted. And in 1998, the first HDTV sets were also launched and sold at retail, but never really became a thing until the mid-2000s when the Xbox and the PS3 came out. Now, if you know anything about CES, you know the, one of the main things that you expect is a bunch of big-ass TVs from the big companies, such as Sony, Samsung, and LG. Now, this... I've done a lot of research, and I believe this to be correct. However, go on to newrisemedia.com, click the contact button, and tell me if I am wrong. But the biggest TV to actually be shown there was 150 inches. It came from Panasonic, it was a plasma TV, that was as thin as 0.46 inches, which is otherwise 11.6 millimeters. That is mental. And next up, we're going to take a look at what the future looks like for consumer technology. I had the pleasure of going down to London to see what is known as the legendary Consumer Technology Predictions and Trends presentation from the Consumer Technology Association, who are the team behind CES. So, what does it all look like? Well, the first trend that they're predicting is the seeds will start to be sown for 5G data speeds. So, expect the groundwork to be laid for a faster type of data connection while your current 4G speeds could hit 100 megabytes per second, which is about enough time to download the two hour long Guardians of the Galaxy movie in about six minutes. 5G has a capability of going at 10 gigabytes a second, being able to download that same film in 3.6 seconds. But this would be beneficial just for downloading your binge-watching content at ridiculous speeds. A transfer rate that high will make many more tech-based pipe dreams a reality, such as a sufficient infrastructure for self-driving cars and smart cities, which I'll get onto further on in this podcast. While it's fair to say you shouldn't expect EE to introduce a 5G contract next year, Look forward to chipset announcements and infrastructure details showing how this will become a reality over the next five to ten years, I'd say. The next trend is already happening around us. Chances are you may already have an Amazon Echo, an Echo Dot, a Google Home, or whatever kind of smart assistant, even Siri in your pocket counts, who have the capability of completing simple tasks by listening to trigger words or interpreting your words with limited success due to that heavy Nottingham accent you may or may not have. Yeah, that's right. Me and Alexa do have problems sometimes with that. But with the aforementioned 5G technology enabling faster data transfers and the ever-improving space of artificial intelligence, the Consumer Technology Association are predicting common voice assistants to get ever closer to passing the Turing test. Now, what's a Turing test, I hear you ask? Well, 
It's a test of the machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior and to be indistinguishable from a human by answering a series of questions and holding and maintaining a conversation for a set amount of time. Intel have already kicked things off by introducing what they call the Nirvana, with an E, chipset, focused on artificial intelligence computation. I also got to meet a robot called Ollie, which is the robot with feelings. Now, all of this stuff is still very much in its infancy. Like, don't expect to have a full-blown chat with your Echo tomorrow. Still have to say, okay, like, Alexa, play System of a Down on Spotify. Sorry if I've set anyone's off. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be... It's an interesting year in the way that there's a lot of stuff bubbling under the surface in terms of what is capable. There are already big steps into context-based conversation happening at both Apple and Google with their phones and also with Amazon and their Echo devices. But it's going to be fun to see what comes to the surface here at CES. Up next is new digital interfaces. Now, this is a rather general sounding key trend, but allow me to dive into it. We're not talking about mice on a screen. We're not talking about fingers touching a screen. We're not talking about controllers of that sort. The iPhone is a good example of demonstrating this, as Touch ID became a widely known standard of fingerprint recognition and a security interface. However, Apple are working against this too by introducing Face ID in the iPhone 10, And they are claiming it to be a new level of security, but in my opinion, from my experience, it's, it's a much more awkward user interface, but separate of that. These new digital interfaces are popping up all over the place, from saved car settings for every driver that are automatically turned on through facial recognition, to a far simpler fingerprint padlock, which is great for the gym. Um, so it's, in terms of digital interfaces, this is more about personalizing it to every user without having to manually change it to your own account. It simply recognizes who you are and opens it to your particular preferred settings. That is a pretty interesting new move and one that I look forward to. And for number four, don't worry, I've saved the best two for last. Realism is about to get redefined by both virtual reality and augmented reality. So way back when, when I went to CES Unveiled in Paris in 2016, Sean de made a prediction that the future of these two growing industries would be that they work together hand in hand to provide a mixed reality interface both augmenting the world around you and virtually enhancing it too. In 2018, however, these two technologies are being separated once again, as has been made clear that the bigger titans in this industry are betting on either reality type individually. So you've seen Facebook's investment in Oculus and Apple with their AR kit. I even found this to be the case earlier this year at CES 2017, testing out the new HTC Vive hardware and being told about the team's vested interest in VR as its own platform. 
Hollywood seems keen to add a dash of virtual reality to their level of creative storytelling, with one executive loving the format for giving you a sense of presence within each and every scene. The aforementioned Oculus has introduced their latest headset at a far more accessible price of around about 200 quid. So the trend seems to be leaning towards putting this tech in the hands of everyone. As for augmented reality, we already have possibly the best augmented reality viewing devices on us right now, probably what you're listening to this on. We already have smartphones in our pockets that are capable of augmenting the world around us and providing great information about our surroundings. Blend that with a 5G connection and you have something far more important than an educational app that shows you where the stars are in the sky. You have something that could be of genuine use to everybody everywhere. And speaking of that far more important tool for augmented reality, I move on to number five, which is your city is about to get a whole lot smarter in the next few years. It could be the key to the smart city around you, putting all of the above technologies, virtual reality, augmented reality, new digital interfaces, smarter assistance, and 5G data connections all together to vastly improve where you live. Urban centers could be managed better with constant AI control. Public safety could be further optimized at the same time. Information about your surroundings could be delivered quicker to make far more timely decisions about your commute, for example, and pollution could be reduced with smarter environment management. Put all this to a computer in the cloud based on a group internet connection from smartphones and different devices around the city, beaming information back to the central computer, and your smart city territory could improve itself over time. Of course, these movements into smart city territory come with their own risks of privacy invasion. Many of you have probably read 1984, I assume, but the same as any data privacy issue, it's far outweighed by the benefits of humans. My problem, however, comes with compatibility. My gran, who got a smartphone over Christmas time, it was rather entertaining seeing the try set up the phone. It was, oh bless her, struggles to operate a toaster, never mind a connected device. Her life still revolves around videotapes of her favorite soaps in leather bound cases. If a city is upgraded to a smart city, what happens to enjoyment of it? How is the infrastructure going to remain open and welcome to the elderly and less technologically inclined? These are questions that I have posed to the CTA director, Steve Kona, and I will be launching that interview very, very soon over the next couple of days to launch and coincide with the beginning of CES. And I'll be pretty excited to see how tech companies respond to this challenge as well. So what does all of this mean? Well, when you put a selection of key technology trends in front of people, I can understand why they will split the public equally between feelings of excitement and disappointment. While some points may sound excitingly innovative, smart cities for example, others kind of confirm the obvious, but you shouldn't think either of these. Instead, the better answer is to see this as an industry that isn't driven by heart-pumping levels of innovation and massive steps forward. Put simply, companies are recognised more for the small evolution 
and the decisions made to drive the conversation in consumer technology. This is the Consumer Tech Association laying out their roadmap for 2018 in technology, which will help fuel the industry's intent to shape the future. One thing is for sure, we're definitely in for an interesting year for 2018. Now that I've divulged my brain full of weird and wonderful facts about CES, and I hope you enjoyed them all, it's now time for me to ask a question of you. What is your favourite gadget of all time? What is the best piece of tech that you've ever used? For me, it would be my original iPod. Now, it's not necessarily for the big selling points of it when they said a thousand songs in your pocket and all of this stuff and yada 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 it was more for the places that i could actually use it this was around a time when cd walkmans were still a thing and you couldn't really sneak them into class whereas with an ipod you could essentially pop it in your inside pocket of your blazer run the white cable of the earphones up through your shirt and out the back of your neck and into your ears so you could still work and listen to music at the same time even though all the teachers and the principal banned it at that time so <laughs> obviously i know that your favorite tech will probably come with the backstory and i'd love to hear it call into the station so if you don't already know how to do that download the anchor app on your phone it's available on ios and android Find the station, you'll see us in the learn something category of the top stations on the screen to the left and tap the call in button and let me know what your favorite piece of tech is. And we have come to the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all so much for listening. Now, as I said earlier in the show, I've just got a couple of updates and then I'll close the show and leave you all to your normal daily routines. So what's is going on in the world of New Rising Media. Well, we're gonna have a Patreon page in, I'd say the next week or so. I'm just finishing the details on it now. With this, essentially what I'm doing, I love writing for New Rising Media. I love writing this blog for all of you. I love doing the podcast for all of you here. And I've got a couple of ideas in the pipeline that I would also love to do that I'll talk about in a bit and to do that I need more time more spare time in my life beyond what I already have trying to balance a full-time job with blogging and I also need more equipment and more opportunities to do so and that is where Patreon comes in so when it's set up I'll be promoting it to the high heavens through the podcast and everywhere and there will be lots of gifts as well and particular pledging goals as well so t-shirts hoodies merch all the good stuff as well so look forward to that and in terms of the streaming idea one of my favorite video game consoles of all time was the ps2 and no doubt a lot of you who are around the same age as me We'll probably say the same as well. I got it for my 10th birthday on launch day and it was absolute 10th birthday, sorry, for Christmas when I was 10. And so, so many hours were spent on that console 
playing my whole life away on games such as SSX Tricky, Airblade, Freedom Fighters, Medal of Honor Frontline, The Works, you name it, Jack 2 Renegade. And I want to make a stream about it. And I want to go back in time and relive the glory days because the PS2 has also painted a lot of the future for video game consoles on what they should do and what capabilities they have. So look forward to that on Twitch. I don't have a name for it yet, but I will be launching it hopefully next Wednesday is when I want to be my first stream. So no doubt I will let you all know on here what's going on. And all that's left for me to say now is thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to everybody who voted for me. Your votes have not gone unnoticed. I will be thanking everybody by name on a blog. And yeah, let's see if I can win an award. Also, you will see me on Knots TV on January the 15th. Take care, guys. Bye.